0: Tips Talk, a podcast about the Everett Silver Tips, presented by the Everett Herald. I'm your host, Josh Horton. So this is going to be a, a little bit shorter episode. I had some audio issues, uh, mainly the cord to my microphone decided to to short out on me. I actually had a, a pretty big episode planned, but nonetheless had to had the audible, and I'll, I'll probably have something. I uh, kind of push those next week. Nonetheless, wanted to briefly touch on a story I wrote on Sunday. Uh, for Mo- it's in Monday's paper, um, on Cole Fonsad and his big night. Um, he had two goals, and that's really the only thing he hasn't done for the silver tips as far as score. I mean, um, he was very, very productive as a as a setup guy, and a lot of guys pick up assists just because they're playing on the power play and they're playing on the top line, they're playing with good players. Uh, these aren't cheap assists that he's picking up. He's absolutely teeing up guys for, for tap-in goals and and just – threading these amazing passes. He's been incredible. Uh, I wanted to play a quote from uh, Silver Tips head coach Dennis Williams real quick, just um, something that didn't really make the story, but I thought was uh, pretty um, emblematic of Fonsad's time here.
1: What I think what has what is, what is really defined Cole is his play without the puck. Uh, he was, I thought, one of our best defensive forwards we had out there and also contributed on the four-check hard and blocking pucks and, pox and he's just if you play the game right good things happen we always say you know and that's with everybody right and and I think he's being rewarded just by you know he's been grinding it out we don't love that part, but his playmaking ability is next to none. And, you know, it's just a matter of time before the puck start maybe going in for you. So it's nice to see him get that confidence and get a couple there tonight. And sure so hopefully he can continue to build off it. And before the season,
0: he wasn't really much of an all situations player for Vince Albert. Were you a little surprised by his aptitude in the defensive side of the puck?
1: As well? well, I think he's really good there. You know, he cares. I think that's probably 99% of it. If, if you care about playing defense, anybody can, everyone can play defense, right? Like it's, it's whether or not you choose to. You know, and uh, it's in any sport, you know, you don't have to have the skill to play defense. You just got to, you know, I know it's a cliche, but Will, right, be willing to block pucks, be willing to sacrifice the body. be willing to chip pucks and get them out. And, you know, he, for that, it, he plays a lot of minutes and gets a lot of extra time because he's an honest 200-foot player.
0: So that was Dennis on, on Sunday after the game. Um, so Fontset, he's obviously been incredible. He's at a point in 30, 34 games played with the Silver Tips. And, um, I mean, that trade is looking very, very... Um, and this is something I wrote in the story. It's looking great for the Silver Tips. What they gave up for Colfons to add, a Kai that uh, probably is going to end up um, in the top five, if not the leader in assists in the league at the end of the year, gave up a second-round pick, fourth-round pick. Uh, there's a conditional third that's contingent on Rhys Vitelli, the fourth asset, uh, playing his overage season for Prince Albert. So, I mean, that is that's a pretty... I mean the fact that they didn't have a give up first round pick for for Cole Fonsad is pretty uh, shocking. You'll get a guy like Eric Florchuk, uh who went at the at the deadline. And, and Florchuk's a little different because he plays center. But nonetheless, I mean he, he had a, a player in Evan Patrician. First and a second round pick go back for Eric Florchuk. Um, you know, Cole Fonsad's a guy who'd probably take over over Eric Florchuk. Not nothing nothing against Eric Florchuk, but they're very I mean very similar players. I mean, fifth round pick from for Montreal for Fonsad, seventh round pick and in Washington, kind of late round of the NHL draft. Um, I guess one plays a premium position, the other one is more of a dynamic winger. But nonetheless, I mean, Vonsat's been incredible, and the fact that the Silver Tips were able to uh, beat the deadline a little bit to acquire him is uh, is certainly worth noting. Um, that's uh, that's good business right there, um, and uh, I think that might define the season. Is that is that trade, and it's one that um, it, hard, it was hard for me to process at the time, and. Um, you know just reaching out to uh, to some people that have seen him play out east and you know just watching some of the you know random Twitter and message board fodder which i I, I read but I don't always take um, stock into I guess um, although I probably take m- more stock into than I should um, that he's just kind of he he's obviously very skilled but he kind of floats around he's been he's been nothing but, he's been nothing but a just a two- way, uh, winger for the Silver Tips with, with elite offensive potential. So, um, man, the the buyers' uh, remorse on Cole stat is, is zero. I mean, they there is no regret on on pulling the trigger on that trade from Gary uh, Davidson. Obviously, they gave up a, a still pretty good package for him, but nonetheless, I mean, that's a that's a good player that they acquired. I mean, and and a and a really um, not not a bank the break type package for him too. So. Just want to touch on that briefly. Obviously, Portland is coming into Everett on Friday. That's going to be an interesting game. I'm hoping to have a podcast up Friday night. Um, as, as long as I can get this cord figured out and get a new one, um, I'll have a podcast. But nonetheless, um, just thought I'd check in real quick. Uh, we'll get to Kevin Dudley from the Spokesman Review. Um, I'm recording from my computer, so the audio is going to be very, very difficult probably. But bear with me. This is going to be hopefully one step back for uh, another couple steps in the future with audio quality. So I know that's been kind of something that, uh, that's the biggest probably complaint about the pod I've heard um, from uh, from the vocal minority, I guess. So um, I'm hoping to, to kind of, first of all, get this chord figured out, and, and after that really work on getting the audio a little bit um, easier to listen to. So uh, we'll throw it to Kevin, and I will uh, hopefully talk to you guys on Friday. <music> Next up on the show is uh, Kevin Dudley from the Spokesman Review. He's covered uh, the Chiefs for about the the last two seasons now, and uh, I guess a little bit, you know, before that too. So he's he's pretty plugged in, in Spokane and uh, the Chiefs and, and the Silver Tips have played twice over the last the last week or so. Um, Kevin, how are things in how are things in Spokane?
2: They're good. Uh, thanks for having me. I think uh, this is my second or third time talking with you on this podcast so it's good yeah. to be
0: back. I think you're uh you're you're definitely a recurring guest at this point and I think this is your third your third third time on the on the pod so um, good that's good. Uh so you obviously covered the, the road game um, where where the Chiefs nipped the, the silver tips in overtime and then I'm sure you're following along with uh, Everett's four four one um win over the Chiefs on Sunday. What were kind of your impressions uh at seeing seeing the silver tips live and, and how they match up with the Chiefs
2: well, just like past seasons, it they, they all starts in net for them, and on defense, they've got a really good defensive core, um, really good goaltender in, in Dustin Wolf, which is to be expected. I think everybody knew that was going to be the case heading into the season. The Chiefs do have some firepower. Um, obviously, Adam Beckman, Eli that kind of leading the way. Uh, I think it was good for Spokane to get that win. They hadn't—I don't think they—they be, hadn't beaten Everett at all during the season. Um, and I'm sure they were confident coming into the season based on how the playoffs went last year, but they were real snake-bitten and just couldn't get past the silver tips uh, up until that overtime win. Um, probably some folks for Spokane thought they should have won it in regulation, but at least they got the two points in overtime. But Everett's real stingy on defense, just like always, and uh, they're they're real fortunate to, to get that win. I think playing Everett three-on-three three in overtime might, I don't know if it gives Spokane a huge advantage, but it definitely helps that they don't have to go up against a ton of defenders. And I think uh, with Eli Zumach scoring the overtime winner, um, I think that
0: showed why. No, for sure. Spokane, <laughs> is, Spokane is totally built for that three-on-three style where they can throw out um, you know, Zumac and, and, uh, and Beckman and Ty Smith and say, try and stop this trio. Um, I mean, the Silver Tips do have talented players as well, but um, Spokane, just they're kind of fit for that wide-open uh, three-on-three style for sure. Uh, in terms of, you know, that, that Wednesday overtime win, you talked about the Chiefs kind of being snake-bitten against um, the Silver Tips. I mean, how in terms of how these two teams match up, what what really stood out to you?
2: Well, I think Everett doesn't give teams a lot of room to, to maneuver, and the Chiefs need some room, uh, especially with kind of an offensive-minded team. Although Spokane's defensive core is pretty veteran now, mm-hmm. although they've got some injuries right now, but uh, Everett, like a few other teams, are, you don't they don't give a lot of room to, to, to make plays, and um, the Chiefs have a few playmakers who like to, you know, they don't always crash the net, but I know their head coach wants them to crash the net, and they've got players who like to, you know, dangle a little, which is fine and when it works, uh, but against a team like Everett and a few others in the league, that's you're going to have trouble doing that. But um, there are times when the Chiefs, that they'll have a bunch of good shifts in a row against a team like Everett, and that'll help. Uh, but I think uh, Spokane's depth, is better than it was before the, um, before the trade deadline and mm-hmm. before the, or at the beginning of the season. But, um, you know, whenever it throws out Wyatt Wiley and, uh, you know, Bryce Kindoff's out there, it makes it real tough to, to work against them.
0: For sure, for sure. And Spokane, to me, it seems like, uh, you know, when they're on, and I think they showed that in the playoffs last year when they're kind of clicking on all cylinders, they're pretty, pretty dangerous, although they've lost a lot of pieces from that team from last season. Um, and still, kind of similar ilk and maybe not quite as deep, but still, they just have a lot of guys that can really be dangerous, and um, they're tough to stop for for 60 minutes. Have you kind of noticed uh, maybe a little bit of inconsistencies with this Chiefs team throughout the season?
2: A little, yes, at times. I mean, when they lose, uh, I mean, they're, they're losing to really good teams: Kamloops, Portland, Everett, um, and then they're beating the Vancouver's, the Victorias here and there. Um, obviously, Seattle, Seattle Tri City, or both haven't kind of down years. I think what really hurts Spokane right now is they really depend a little too much on needing good goaltending. Um, and part of that is because Campbell Arnold, who was their, technically their backup this season, but it was more of a 1A, 1B goalie tandem, he got injured um, in Seattle and uh, now is out for the season with a bum knee. So that's that was a huge blow for them. Lucas Perique, um their import goalies, uh, they're going to rely on him a lot more now. Um, they do have a backup named James Porter, who's a really cool story he's from Barnes Ferry, Idaho, but he's just not quite at the level as Parik or Campbell Arnold. Actually, Campbell Arnold still has appeared in more games this season than Lucas Parik, um, even with the injury. So that was a big blow to Spokane. Also, people forget, and it was against it happened against Everett, but Jake McGrew has been out for essentially the entire season um, with a busted knee again. So he, I I mean, he technically there's a small chance he could come back, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him on the ice for Spokane again. Um, so they've really lost their depth when when McGrew went down, and then when Campbell Arnold went down in, in net, that kind of shuffled things around, and they've kind of been piecing together their lines. But I think they've now that the trade deadline's over, I think they got a solid. Um, a solid four lines and a three three pairs of defensemen that they're they're pretty satisfied with for now.
0: Sure, and, and they're not going to replicate that the Ford lineup they had last year, where it seemed like all four of those lines could be pretty dangerous. Um, even the young Jack Finley line last year was was pretty darn pretty darn good. But um, this I mean this year they're they still pretty deep, and they got guys like Jake or not Jake uh, Luke Toporowski rather, um, Adam Beckman, like we've talked about. You know they got they got plenty of firepower. Um, on the defensive end, what I mean, have you kind of noticed Ty Smith take his game up a level, or is he is he kind of plateaued? what What's kind of been your impressions of him and guys like you know Phil Crawl, Bobby Russell, although he's been hurt?
2: Well, specific to Smith, he is he's, he's the same Ty Smith. He's thinks the game a mile ahead of everybody else. Um he's on the top pairing with Noah King, and that's really a really good pairing right there. I know Manny Viveros, the head coach, the first year head coach for Spokane. He puts King and Smith out a lot of times with um, third or fourth line, which oftentimes, sometimes the fourth line is entirely 16-year-olds. Um, and then the third line every now and then has a 16-year-old as well. A lot of young guys on those third and fourth lines. So you'll see Ty Smith and Noah King out there with those young guys. And Devereaux says he does that just as an, a kind of an extra security blanket uh, because 16- and 17-year-olds, they're they're – good enough for the league, but they're going to make mistakes just because they're 16- and 17-year-olds, and that's okay. Um, but the team needs someone like Ty Smith and Noah King and even Phillip Craw to be out there to help them. Um, so he—he Smith is at just a little less than a point a game, um, but I think that's largely due to the fact that he's you know he, they're not counting on him for offense right now. they got enough offense on their forward line, so um, he can kind of make plays, quarterback power play, and help the young guys out. Um, as for the rest of the defense, I think for the first time in a few years, the, the defensive core in Spokane is actually quite, quite veteran. They got a lot of experience. You know, Noah King's 20. Ty Smith is 19. Phil Crawl is 20. Um, Bobby Russell's 19. Uh, Matt LaDuke is 19. Although what's hurting them right now is Matt LaDuke's out long term with an injury and Bobby Russell is out with an injury. I don't know when Russell will be back. It wouldn't surprise me if he's back tonight. It wouldn't surprise me if he's still got time out. Um, so that's kind of shuffled the defensive core. There is a kid named Graham swore. He's a rookie, He's 16 years old, uh, started the season on the, the third pairing, obviously, because he's 16. Uh, but based on the injuries to Russell and Matt Leduc, he's been bumped up to the second pair with Philip Kroll. So that's been good for Swore's development, and he has actually been very impressive. Um, Viveros constantly says he doesn't play like a 16-year-old, and he's only going to get better. So... Um, it's easy for guys like crawl and, and Smith to you Noah know, King to get all the all the attention on defense but Graham Ford has been um, his development throughout the season has been very impressive so um, they've got a veteran deco but they do have a young guy who, who should be there for, for quite a while
0: yeah he was definitely someone that caught my eye on Sunday just someone that's the very poised and played as a game um, just kind of at his pace which is pretty rare for a 16 year old defenseman that like kind of they love the rush, um, kind of rush decisions, and um, maybe move the puck in um, in a fashion that's not really conducive to to, to good hockey plays. But yes, Sword really impressed with with his overall composure. I know you've seen Portland plenty of times this year, um, Kevin, with with some of the matchups the Chiefs and the Winter Talks have had. Um, you know, two teams that can really play in that track meet style and everything seems like a you know two teams that make for a really fun matchup. What have what are your kind of been impressions of uh, Portland this year?
2: Well, their, their team speed is incredible. Seth Jarvis, um, he should be drafted in the first round or first or second round of the NHL draft this summer. I believe he's only 17 years old. Um, he has been incredibly uh, impressive. He's a, he's a little guy, but uh, he's very speedy. Um, Mason Mannix, another guy who's, pretty, who's really good. Uh, Hannes and Hannes will we'll, we'll make you suffer. Uh, they've got really good goaltending. Joel Hofer has been really good. And which is interesting to me because Hofer didn't play all that well. Portland didn't get hardly any good goaltending in the playoffs last year when they lost in the first round to Spokane, but Hofer's really come on. He obviously had a really good World Junior Tournament. Um, that whole Portland team has has been really impressive. Very A lot of team speed. When they have the puck, they don't give it up very often. It's really hard to – you know once they're in your, your defensive end, it's really hard to get them out and to, to turn the puck over. So um, I – I mean we were talking before we started recording, but I – I remember Portland uh, six or seven years ago when they went to the Memorial Cup and this team reminds me of that team, which makes sense to get the same head coach. Um, but I'm, I'm very impressed with them. So um, I personally think they are one of the top teams in, in the entire CHL and across the entire uh, country of Canada. So um, just their team speed, they don't give up the puck, really good goaltending, a really, really balanced team. So um, I'm, I, I enjoy watching Portland. They're, very
0: impressive. For sure, and, and it's obviously high praise considering, um, you know, they haven't really climbed up too far in the CHL rankings. I think they, they might be pretty high now, but um, those ones that are compiled by the scouts or whatever. But that that type of style is so infuriating when, you know, the, their puck possession is so uh, so pristine and they, they do such a good job with that, but they can also charge back and catch leads too. So um, it's hard to – there's no really one, one great way to play Portland. You can sit back and they'll probably – pot two on you and then keep the puck for the rest of the game or you can be aggressive and maybe get a couple ones, but they're going to be coming right back. So, um, no, it's certainly a really interesting team and it's, uh, fascinating. They've done so well with losing guys like Cody glass, uh, Yoke and Blickfield, some of the other guys that they lost from last year's team. Uh, it doesn't seem like, it seems like they're even deeper this year, which is pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, and, and
2: they, they, they are very deep. Yes, I agree.
0: And Mike, Mike Johnson, that's, uh, he he just does he puts together rosters like that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. What, what are who are some of the other teams that have take, caught your eye? I guess um, that have come through Spokane other than Portland and, and Everett and some of the other ones we've talked about.
2: Well, the Chiefs hosted Kamloops uh, a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago, and they're in Chiefs are in Kamloops tonight. because is Wednesday. Um, they were very impressive as well, and it, there's a reason they, they lead their division. Um, they are very similar to Portland. They once they got the puck and. Uh, they wouldn't let go of it. Their puck possession is very good as well. I would be interested in a Kamloops-Portland matchup um, just to kind of see who gets the upper hand there because two very similar teams. Um, Orin Sentazzo for Kamloops is right behind Adam Beckman, I think. I think he's between Beckman and uh, Bryce Kindoff for the uh, goal-scoring lead in the league. So he's fun to watch. He actually scored a hat-trick against Spokane, so that probably helps his stats. Um but they're, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, Everett was here, like you mentioned, recently, and like we said, really stingy on defense. Um, but uh, those are the, I mean, a lot of the other teams that come through. Regina came through a, a, a week or so ago. They were really injury depleted, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but they, they that night that they played Spokane, um, they were quite impressive. The Chiefs won pretty handily, but it didn't really get out of hand until the third period. And an interesting aspect of that game was. Ty Smith's brother uh, plays for Regina, so yep, that was yep. really fun to see the, the, the two brothers out there. They didn't get a whole lot of shifts together. A few times they did, um, but that was fun
0: to see. Of course, yeah. That was that was the big storyline going into that game. Um, I don't think a lot of people were, were probably that intrigued with the Spokane-Regina matchup otherwise, but um, nonetheless, you know, the Smith brothers facing off, that's that's must-see TV, I guess. Kevin, where right. can you... Uh, oh, I, go ahead. I was just going to
2: add, Rocket's haven't been... As, I haven't seen them a ton, but just following them from a distance. I know they're hosting the Memorial Cup this year, but they are. Uh, I know they're only third in their division, so they'll they'll make the playoffs. But that's going to be interesting in, in how they perform in the Memorial Cup.
0: It will be. Um, the only time I've seen them was, uh, and it's hard to hard to say because ever since the trade deadline, and they they were f- decently active, not maybe as much as uh, Memorial C- Cup host is uh, we accustomed to um, seeing them active at the trade deadline. But nonetheless, um, they were very injury depleted and. Um, it'll be hard to kind of tell how good Kelowna is until some of those pieces come back you know the um, like Trevor Wong was out of the lineup that 16 year old and they just had a ton of guys out and, and suspended like Kaden Korzak. so um, it'll be interesting to see you know if, if those pieces gel or they just kind of flop in the playoffs because um, there are definitely some some shades of uh, there's there's some there's some signs that things are might not be uh, be going super well there <laughs> Uh right. Uh, and, and the ilk of a Memorial Cup team, I guess. So we'll be. That, that's definitely a storyline to watch, I think. Uh, but I think you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, Kamloops, Portland, um, Everett, Spokane, those are kind of the the class of of the West, in my opinion. Although Victoria is really making a case, um, considering the, how defensively staunch they are. So um, should be yeah, interesting they, to see how they, they
2: made some moves at the deadline too. Victoria made some moves at the deadline. Oh I yeah. Thought- so I'm I'm kind
0: of interested to see how they do this second half of the season. Sure, and and I would I will mention Portland. They have not lost since uh, November 30th, or in regulation since November 30th. So, we we'll, uh,
2: incredible.
0: Yeah, they're on quite the run. So um, they're definitely the team to beat. And I think this, and uh, even the Silver Tips coaching staff said basically that much. It's you know they're they're the hot team right now. They're the best team in the league. You know everyone's kind of striving to 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 be better than them. So. Um, yeah, it should be should be interesting to see how the, the league point or plays out. Kevin, where uh, where can people find your stuff?
2: Smokesman or on Twitter uh, at the letter K underscore Dudley D U D L E Y.
0: And you might have to, to, to sift through some Nick Rolovich tweets um, here or there, but um, he's maybe yeah. <laughs> um but a lot of hockey, a lot of hockey, in Kevin's feed, and he's he's a must follow for for WHL fans. So uh, give give him a follow, and uh, yeah, thanks for so thanks so much for joining the show, Kevin. Appreciate it.
2: You bet, and uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Spokane Everett first round playoff matchup
0: this year. Oh no, I'm not neither, and we'll have to repeat, um, you know, whatever happened last year when, <laughs> um, right? Got the go uh, go to Spokane for a couple couple days and visit some family and. And get back to that press box, which is, I think, the best view in the WHL. Um, although I haven't seen, you know, obviously, the majority of the ranks. I, I don't know how anyone could beat that that view where we're just so high up and looking over the ice like that. It's uh, it's so fun to watch a game there. So I'm looking forward to getting back. Great, right, Well, I'll, I'll see ya. <laughs> of course, of course. Thanks, Kevin. You bet. Thank you.